Theology Thursday live and a little connectivity problem so we'll see how far we get through this today talking about the atonement part two um, so let's get right to it the atonement uh, two Old Testament words that are used for the word atonement or the idea concept of atonement in the Old Testament um, first one is kafar, which means to cover um, the caparet, the mercy seat uh, on the ark. That was um, a part of what we, um, where we see that word used, and it means to cover over. Um, the Greek word that kind of corresponds to that is um, hilasterion, and that's um, the idea in Greek of to propitiate. So we're going to look at what the word propitiation means, um, which can, it means to appease or to, um, you know, to make somebody propitious to you is to make them friendly towards you again or to have a, you know, a good standing with them again. And then another Hebrew word in the Old Testament is salach. I think I'm pronouncing it right. It means to forgive, to lift up to be at rest or peace, to be sent away. So all these sorts of ideas for this forgiveness. And the um, Greek word, aphiemi, is the word used for forgiveness a lot. And um, it has the idea of to release or to let go of something, a debt in particular. So um, the Old Testament, the idea of the atonement is, uh, some of this is, I think I got this from that from Cairn again, C-A-I-R-N, in his book, which I didn't bring in here with me, but I also used um, Burkhoff's Systematic Theology for some of this too. Um, Old Testament, the suffering of the substitute animal, the bull or whatever, has the effect to cover over the guilt of the real criminal and to make it invisible in God's eyes, metaphorically speaking. Um, and when this is done, the transgressor, is at rest so that's the idea of to to cover over or to be at rest um, there was not an animal so there's not a sacrifice for murder so you couldn't just say well you know i killed somebody i killed a person um, i'm now gonna kill a bull to cover over that sin to to pay the penalty for that sin um, so you were the, the penalty for murder was death um, does not mean that Jesus' sacrifice does not cover murderers. But what we do see at work is the idea that just because God forgives a sin doesn't mean that there won't necessarily be some sort of um, penalties that are still to be paid um, for, from secular society or even you know restitution be made person to person in these ways. But that there is a, there is a forgiveness from God. So there's a reconciliation that's made. And that's what we're going to look at real quick. Uh, the wrath of God. So it's one of these things that um, a lot of times I don't think we preach enough when we're talking about the gospel because we do want people to recognize the, the love of God. But, but when we think about the love of God, what you're talking about is actually the law of God. So we want to separate those two things a lot. Um, I, I think a lot of people desire to separate these things. And I'm limiting myself to 12 minutes, by the way, so if I keep looking down and watching my, my timer click away. Um, so um, if you separate the wrath of God from the love of God, then what you're doing is you're also separating it from the law of God because the law of God is an expression of his love. He didn't give the law to 
Um, particularly is, is summarized in Ten Commandments. You know, the first four commandments, how you love, you know, the way the, the expression of the love of God would be expressed towards God. And then the last six commandments being expression of love of neighbor, how our love for neighbor would be expressed um, to our neighbor. So if you stand before the judgment seat of God and he's going to judge you um, and based on the law... You might say, well, if he loves me, he's not going to judge me. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, it, the love of God is manifested, is demonstrated in his law. So as we look at his moral law in particular, um, whenever you sin against God or you sin against man, you're demonstrating how little you love God, how little you love man. It's actually a hatred um, towards God and towards man. And so the, for God is a just and holy guide. He loves his justice. He loves his holiness. They're all based on love. And it's something I'd like to explore a little more um, because I think sometimes we think we'll stand before God. Some people have this idea of a, of a mean and vicious God. How dare you? You know, I tried my best. I did so good. I was doing so much good. And then God's like, no, it's not good enough for me. You know, it's like, wait a minute. Now you're, you're missing it. God is love. Your problem is, is you're not. You're hateful. You're mean. You're, you're, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, the, and when you stand before a holy God and all your pretense is stripped away and nothing is left but your vitriolic hatred toward all that is holy. And you might would say, yeah, but that's not quite true. I hate all that's holy. You know, an unbeliever It's like, fair enough, okay? Based on um, comparing ourselves to one another, um, yeah, we love a little more than maybe we see some other people loving. But then, you know, what are, what's our attitude? And without faith, it's impossible to please God because we don't recognize the depth of our sin. So with, if the gospel... Um, and I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing to be saying to people. I just don't think it's like you got to be careful when you're being imprecise in your language. Thank God the Holy Spirit fixes all these things in our evangelistic efforts. But um, I just saw recently, you know, a Black Lives Matter group busting into some church. And I don't know, the church had been giving away some AK-47s or something. I don't know what's all going on with that. But... Um, in the midst of it, somebody yells out at these people that are in the church and they're cussing and they're yelling. Obviously, hate-filled people. Um, and somebody says, Jesus loves you. And it's like, okay. Um, Jesus loves holiness. Jesus loves love. God is love. So we like to have this thing that we say, um, love the sin, hate. What? Hate. Love the sinner, hate the sin. All right, but the sinner is the one that's going to pay for his sins or her sins in hell forever. So you have to be careful of that. There needs to be a call to repentance. There needs to be the, 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 the there needs to be the call that this is how God loved the world. This is what He did. This is how He sent His Son to die on the cross so that the believers in Him would not perish but have eternal life. You need your sin paid for. You need to repent. You need to trust in Christ. You need to know that there's a salvation for sin. You need to know there is a righteousness available to us in Christ Jesus. So and it's not hard to get the gospel right, but it's a habit. The gospel preaching and teaching is a habit. Um, Martin Luther, I believe this is right, Romans 3.21. He was reading Romans, and um, a lot of people during the medieval periods in different times didn't have access to scriptures like we did. And so uh, Martin Luther, 12 minutes. All right, so Romans 3.21 is where I'm going to read. I'm going to read 21 through 26. All right, but now the righteousness of God 
I'm going to stop it real quick. Righteousness, Greek word. Here we go. Dikaiosune. Okay, that means righteousness. Dikaiosune, righteousness. Now, the, so the dikaiosune, the righteousness of God, has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The dikaiosune of God, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, so how, how are we to become righteous? Well, righteousness is, is expressed by the keeping of the law, which is what you will should begin to do as it begins to well up in your heart and the law is written on your heart. But how are we declared righteous before God? It's through faith because it's the righteousness of God apart from the law that's been given to us to those who believe in Christ. Why? Because there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified, and that's that word dikaisenade, you are dikaisenade, you are righteousified by his grace. You are declared righteous by his grace, undeserved favor. You deserve wrath, but instead you get mercy and love. Um, and you're given this as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. He's purchased you by his blood. He's purchased us from um, from sin. Now the idea is to whom was the ransom paid? To whom was the payment made? We're going to look at that in an upcoming one. It's like did Jesus pay the penalty to Satan? Did he pay it to God the Father? Did he pay, you know, what what is this payment of sin, you know, who is it paid to? Um, 25. So uh, let's go back to 24. And our justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Okay, there's that Greek word, hilasterion, which is our atonement word. The NIV translates it as a sacrifice of atonement. So he puts Jesus forward as a sacrifice for atonement to be able to forgive us of our sins. He absorbs the wrath of God on our behalf so that God is able to be um, let's say, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he, he, he held back for a while, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now that all three of those words, righteousness, just, and justifier, are all the dikaiosene word. Okay? So it was to show his dikaiosene, his, his righteousness, so that he might be, be righteous and he might be the one who makes us righteous, those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So the atonement was he paid for our sins as a propitiation, as a covering for sin, as not just a covering, but as an absorbing of the wrath of God. So that the wrath that God had toward his people, this tells you who the payment the atonement payment was made to, the wrath of God, that, that's what we had to fear is the wrath of God. Not the wrath of Satan. His doom is sure. Satan desires our demise, but it's the wrath of God that's going to get us in the end if we're not covered in the blood of Christ. In the garden, don't eat. The day you do, you shall die. Well, they ate, and they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. They tried to create their own righteousness to cover their own sin. They didn't die that day because God killed an animal. He had to sacrifice, pointing to the blood of Jesus Christ, and he covered them with, his, with the skin of an animal, pointing to the righteousness of Christ that covers our sin, so that for those who believe in him, those shall not perish but have eternal life. Adam and Eve did eventually die, and it was even as a blessing, so that they would not live forever in this state, so that we get to, um, we get to shed this mortal coil, as it's been said, that we get to... Um, to, to uh, where is it, 1 Corinthians 15, the, the resurrection of believers, that we have the resurrection hope, we get new bodies we get. 
um, glorified souls, that we are able to be in the presence of God, um, wholly covered in his blood, covered in his righteousness, because he has made the atoning sacrifice. So we're going to look a little bit more at to whom was the penalty paid, to whom was the Christ paid, and then um, did Christ die on the cross to make salvation possible um, for all people, or did he die on the cross to secure um, salvation for um, a group of people? So that's what we're going to look at, but I will say this, the gospel offer is to everyone, okay? Repent, trust in Christ, um, cling to him for your salvation. That's the gospel message. The wrath of God rests upon us. Without Christ, you will pay for your sins. Repent, turn to the Savior. Because he is love, and he loves his people and those who love him. Amen. God bless.